0: Welcome to Star Wars, Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the Rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. Tornak finished sending the signal to every revolutionary cell across the planet Deol. The time had come to take their freedoms by force. He now turned to the situation before him. Casito ships and transports were on their way to his base. His ground forces had built barricades facing the landing bay. It was the only way in or out. They also had a couple large guns at the entrance prepared to fire at any ship as it came near. The landing bay itself had been cleared of ships which had taken off in preparation for the battle. They were flying through the mist, hidden from detection. Doubley was right at the surface, his sensors working just well enough to detect where the enemy fleet was. About a minute after Tornak sent the signal for everyone to rise up across the planet, half the fleet peeled off and returned to other areas to secure them. This made the remaining fleet much more manageable. Doubley led his mist riders into a wide orbit around the base, waiting for the enemy fleet to come near. The cave entrance was just below the surface of the mist, so they would have to go into the fog. And as soon as they did, the revolutionary fighters struck like sharks with equal ferocity and success. The enemy ships didn't even see them coming, and before they knew what was happening, the transports were swarmed with skyhoppers firing into them. Most of them went down within seconds. Another couple were shot down by the cannons in the hangar. Only one managed to crash land inside, and its occupants were shot down by the troopers behind the barricades. Several of the Casito fighters went down as well, but the survivors swung around to go after the skyhoppers. Their laser cannons were far superior to those of the revolutionaries, and they tore through the tiny vessels. At least, the ones they could see. The fog was so thick and their attackers so tiny that they had difficulty narrowing in on them. And targeting computers were entirely useless. Added to everything else, the mist also seemed to be working against them. It grew thicker everywhere the Casito ships flew. Sudden gusts of wind came up and blew them one way or pulled another. Nearly half of them flew right into cliffs. The others gave up pretty quickly and flew up out of danger. As soon as Dubli called all clear, Tornak didn't lose a second. He recalled all of his own transports to return. They flew up out of the depths of the valley and landed. He ordered his troops to load up. Roach landed the Freebird among them. Tornak approached Yalto and said, You are all free to go. But if you will stay a little longer, we could use talented warriors like yourselves. Yalto was torn. This wasn't their mission. Come on, Yali. Let's help them out. Roach shouted from the ship. I'm weird, termite, Doubly said. All is as the force wills it, Master Dentra said from Doubly's back gunner seat. Yalto turned to Aylor. Well, Ms. Sundown, you are the mission. What do you think we should do? Aylor's eyes were darting. She was eager to move on and strike at her target, especially now that she knew who he was. But she looked at the ragged soldiers boarding their transports, none of them ready for battle, but all of them yearning for a free world. So she nodded. You have my saber, she said, and she headed for one of the transports. Actually, Yalto interrupted, I have a better idea, General. I've seen your attack plans and I noticed you don't have anyone hitting their command center. We don't have any hidden forces near there, so we're focusing on places where we do, Tornak said. That'll be where we strike. Sundown, you go ahead with them to help ensure their victory. Roach, Vance, and I will take out their HQ. Tornak thanked him and saluted. Yalto saluted back and they all got into their ships. General Stred peered over the monitors with contempt. Uprisings were popping up on almost every populated mesa. The capital city of Corwell was the worst, but many of the small settlements and towns had research and data that they had promised to the Empire, and losing those would hurt their credibility that they could self-govern. They already had imperial bureaucrats breathing down their necks. They didn't need more of them. So Stred split the reinforcements between all the points. The force going after the insurgency base had disappeared and not reported back yet. They were taking a long time defeating them. But once they were finished, he would send the survivors from that battle to fill in the gaps where needed in other battles. Presently, there was an important report from Corwell stating that insurgent forces were arriving. Though the voice was frightened, Stred welcomed the move. The insurgents had committed their reserves. He would now send what he had at the headquarters. He ordered all but the bare-bones garrison to Corwell. From the mist, Doubly saw the last transport and its escort fighters leave the Casito headquarters. He gave them a bit of time before saying to his mist riders, Now! They leaped out of the fog and bore down on the base's hangar. Much like the revolutionaries' hangar, it was carved out of the rock. Unlike theirs, it was not in the mist and was therefore not obscured. But it did have a blast shield which came quickly down. Doubly fired a pair of proton torpedoes, one of which got past the door and caused a flaming explosion inside. The Skyhoppers fired as well, a couple of their shots adding to the chaos, and the others damaging the door. After making their pass, the mistriders continued back down toward their clouds. The Casito headquarters responded by launching all remaining fighters that were stationed on the top landing platform, and those that were still flying nearby to chase after the raiding party. They dove into the fog, chasing after them, and soon found more behind them. The rest of Dudley's flight which had remained in hiding. Once they were clear of the base, Roach landed the Freebird on the top landing platform. He and Yalto disembarked and hurried into the headquarters. They were met with an empty hall. It seemed eerie just how quiet it was, save for the occasional bangs and shouts they heard from the opposite side of the base. They came upon a crossroads almost immediately. Having no intel on the base, they didn't know which direction to go. Tornak's transport came upon the front line of what seemed to be the key position in Corwell, and for his personal guard to disembark with him. They slid down the wires directly onto a short iron building, what could serve as a perfect bunker. Briley's transport led her off further back with what seemed to be the commander. She found that there really was no one in charge as the local leaders had all been killed. The troops seemed panicked and ready to run. "'There is nowhere to run!' Briley shouted. "'They are everywhere, and wherever you run, you go right into their chains!' They will execute half of you as a lesson, and punish the rest of you. Here, right now, is your only chance to make that not happen. Now move with me! They cheered and moved forward with her into position. There, she got a layout of the battlefield. Casito had speeder bikes coming in from the far end near a unit of troopers and their dreaded pike guards. In the center, they had their commander and a unit of infantry. On their left, they had Imperial support with an ATST and two units of stormtroopers along with their commander. That was where the revolutionaries were most outmatched, with only two units of standard troopers. In the center was Tornak with his elite pathfinders. On Briley's flank, she was surrounded by standard troopers, and a unit that called themselves Roach's Rough Riders were up at the edge of a building. They scrambled up to the top of the tower they were next to, and from there got a good view of how the battle was unfolding. On the opposite side, the Empire secured the landing area where one of the revolutionary units had to simply take cover from the overwhelming fire. Tornax unit in the center traded fire with two units of troopers, who fired back and pinned them down. Then the speeder bikes crossed over to them and shot half of them down. The battle was already going poorly for the revolutionaries. Roach heard humming from the right, and thought that they might at least find a power room in that direction. So they moved that way. Roach was correct about its purpose. They came into a large area with machinery and control panels and a couple doorways into a loud room that was likely a power plant or regulator. As they moved into it, Roach began looking at the controls to see what he could do to this place. An engineer looked out the door to see who was there. Seeing they were rebels, he shouted to the others, and Yalto shot him down. Soldiers came out of every entrance, charging at them. Roach didn't hesitate, throwing down a smoke grenade to hide them. Yalto pulled back a few feet and spread shots throughout the whole room. Roach sneaked forward, searching for anyone who managed to survive Yalto's barrage. He shot one of the pike guards, and the other one turned and smacked him, sending him flying back. Yalto spotted it and shot down the guard. He found only one left wandering in the wrong direction, and he shot that one down. The enemy was onto them now, so they needed to get to the control room and finish it. They hurried forward and stared down the hall. To the right they saw a large double door. This looked like the sort of important entrance that would lead to a control room. Roach started to approach the control panel to force the doors open. Just as he did, soldiers rounded the corner down the hall, some of them with a tripod and a large auto blaster. Eweb! web Yalto shouted, and they both went for cover. Roach got into a side hallway. As he did, he spotted other soldiers coming at him down that direction. Doubly's mistriders had the Casito ships sandwiched between them. Seeing the disadvantage, the Casito fighters pulled up and got into the clear. Doubly e was ready to let them go, but he knew they couldn't be allowed to head back to the headquarters, so he pulled up with his wing and took chase. The skyhoppers were much slower on the ascent, and the Casito ships got a lot more altitude quickly. They seemed to disappear into the sun. A few moments later, they came roaring back down from it, their cannon blasts ripping through the mist riders. Double quickly called for a retreat. In Corwell, one of the units from the Revolutionaries' right flank maneuvered to the center where they uncovered a blaster cannon they had hidden there. Manning it, they began firing at the ATST. Tornex Pathfinders jumped for cover in the iron building. They saw the Casito staff guards charging right for them, and they opened fire, taking them down. In the tower across the street, Roach's Rough Riders tossed down explosives. One of them landed directly in the path of a speeder bike, blowing it up. The other bike sped around a corner just as one of Briley's soldiers looked around it. The bike knocked his head clean off. While her other fighters fired at the speeder bike, she looked around and called in an airstrike from the nearby Skyhoppers to strafe the Casito troopers. Just as she did, enemy reinforcements appeared behind her. Troopers in an e-web peeked out of the window of a building and opened fire, ripping through her and her men. The two survivors of the unit pulled her inside the building. Their hope had faded again, and she bled on the ground. She didn't know how to lift their spirits. Yalto was pinned behind a wall by his own e-web. He took shots in between bursts, managing to take down one or two soldiers, but they were reinforcing faster than he could kill them. In the hall between them, Roach was under fire from others heading his way. He tossed a grenade down at them, which landed perfectly, killing a group of minions and caving in the corridor to block the others. He was satisfied with his work for only a few moments. The door to the control room opened and a couple blasts came out, hitting Roach in the back. He fell on his chest and stopped breathing. Yalto saw the doors open and saw them shoot across the hall. The fact that there were only a couple shots and no return fire disturbed him. Roach? He called into his comm. Roach! He shouted. No response. He rose up and came around the corner unconcerned with what blast might hit him. He pulled his finger tight on the trigger and didn't relent. The shot smashed through the E-Web engineers. Single shots came from individual soldiers, some of them ripping through his armor. He didn't heed them. He only panned his gun one way, then the other, bringing down everyone within a cone. A crowd was gathering near the door of the control center. Guns, grenades, and electrostaffs at the ready to put a stop to the rampage. In Corwell, the ATSD turned toward the cannon and pounded it hard, taking it out. The troops moved forward, pinning down the revolutionary fighters on that end and flanking Tornak's troops in the center while more fire came at them from straight ahead. On the opposite end, the e continued to pin down Briley and her troops while Casito forces moved in on them to finish them off. Dubli skyhoppers were back in the mist, but the Casito fighters had adjusted. Despite the difficulty seeing, they were taking out the small vessels. Doubly's own ship had lost its shields. Then Dentra had a thought. As a vessel got on their rear, readying a bullseye shot, Dentra reached out with the force and swept it to the side. It did. He was genuinely surprised that it worked. Doubly meanwhile, felt the strength within the crystal around his neck. He grabbed it with one hand as he thought about what he was trying to do. The ship suddenly jolted and twisted in place. He realized suddenly that one of the Casito fighters was now on his bullseye. He fired away, crippling it. Some of the hoppers, specifically those piloted by Deolans, had also found themselves on the Casito tails. Doubly spotted one of them passing flown by one of his favorites, and he said... "'Shoot it again, Sam!' Yalto was almost to the corner. He did not see the crowd of guns awaiting him. And worst of all, those with grenades prepared to throw them. He wouldn't stand a chance. Roach saw this as he lifted his barely-functioning head off the floor. It felt like he was pulling his skull away from something it was glued to. His eyes were heavy, barely able to open. But they functioned just well enough for him to see where he'd put his one remaining hand grenade. He tossed it inside his weak arm barely using enough strength for it to roll past them. They didn't even notice the small canister until it exploded among them. Even Yalto was tossed backward by the shockwave. Roach just managed to smile. In Corwell, infantry units closed in on the small building Tornak and his troops were holed up him. Though they were well fortified, they were slowly being picked off. Then the Casito troops heard a strange sound from around the corner. The speeder bike flew around the side, spinning in the air as if it had been thrown, and it crashed to the ground. Looking up, they saw a woman with a glowing sword backed up by a squad of colorful Deolans. They fired at her, but she deflected their shots, then leaped down among them along with the natives, whose claws tore through them. Her lightsaber, meanwhile, ripped apart the commander. In the rear, Roach's Rough Riders shot down half the Casito troops moving on Briley, and the Grenadier, using what Roach had taught her threw a bomb perfectly into place, taking out the other half. The sniper turned a rifle on the E-Web, severely damaging it. The battle now switched focus onto the Imperials on the opposite side. Tornak's troops were whittling them down from one side, and the infantry was whittling them down from the other. Seeing this, the Imperial commander ordered his troops to barricade their position and defend. The ATSD would be a formidable opponent, even for Aylor. But then large blaster fire came in from above, tearing apart the ATSD and sending it falling to the ground. The Imperial commander cut his losses and pulled all his forces back to the Imperial shuttles. There, they abandoned the planet and their Casito allies. The revolutionaries had won. Tornak called to congratulate Briley, but couldn't reach her. He leaped through the window and ran to the building she was in. Sliding to her side, he grasped her hand and held it. She held his back, struggling for breath. We won, he told her. She smiled and closed her eyes. There was a lot to do all over Dial. Changing governments to one run by the formerly oppressed was the most obvious. But there was also a lot of dead to bury and memorialize. Tornak Caruda returned to the Revolutionary base to make plans to both defend their new world and to strike out after Casito Systems. The small band of rebels returned there as well. Roach was put back in the back to tank, then laid out on a cot again to heal. His Rough Riders teased him about always getting hurt, and excitedly told him about their part in the battle. Dubli and Dentra attended the memorial to the fallen pilots who had fought with them, and were now part of the mist. It seemed as though they could sense their presence truly added to it. Aylor was anxious to get moving once again, and wondered aloud if they should leave the child behind as he'd slowed them down twice now. While she was anxiously pacing, one of the Deolans she had fought with went to her. He asked how her weapon worked, and she opened it to show him. Upon seeing the crystal, he looked surprised. He offered to show her around, and since it would pass the time, she agreed. The Deolin took her to some of the natural cavities that stretched beyond the base, tunnels narrow enough to barely fit through. They reached a point where the Deolin could only reach his hand inside. He brought out a small crystal, about the same size as the kyber one that operated her lightsaber. It had a slightly pinkish hue. She snapped it into one of the enhancement slots she had built into the hilt, then closed it. Aylor hesitated before lighting it. When she did, The saber lit with a louder and more powerful resonance. When she swung it, the beam seemed to blur behind it just a little bit more. She was anxious to try it out, but she wondered how the Diolan knew the crystal was just right. Yalto approached Tornak to ask what his plans were. Tornak told him that they would be striking Casita worlds one after the other. The Juvex Rebel Cell will be glad to hear that. If your forces coordinate with theirs, it'll spread the enemy too thin to be very effective. Yalto said, I hope that is true, Tornak said, but I should be clear. Our goal is only to free the people from House Casido, then to free all the people of the Juvex Sector, then the Senex Sector. Anything that takes us away from that goal, we will not do. And anyone who stands against that goal by allying with slave houses will wind up our enemy sooner or later. I understand, Yalto said, realizing the Juvex Rebel Cell was currently allied with one of those slave houses. He hoped that would end before their allegiances changed. Soon, Roach was well enough to travel, even if not fully healed. He would have to take it easy on their next part of the mission. He got strapped into the pilot's seat and was powering up the Freebird. The rest of the crew was getting on board, and Dubly was heading to his Y-Wing. Briley appeared at the doorway closest to the edge of the landing bay, leaning against the doorframe. I wasn't sure you would stay, she said. Dubly strolled over to her the mist rolling in made them in their own little foggy world. You make a convincing argument, butterfly. Well, I made a deal. You help start this uprising, and I go with you, she said. So where are we off to? dubly shook his head. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Tormark. You're part of each other's work. What keeps you both going? If my ship leaves and you're on it with me, you'll regret it. May I be not today, may I be not tomorrow, but soon, and for the rest of your life. What about my promises, Briley said? That's two I've broken. We'll always have the old. Where I'm going, you can't follow. And where you're going... "'I can't follow,' Dubly said. "'Dubly,' she began as she stepped toward him. He interrupted her. "'I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy galaxy.' Briley's head dropped, ready to cry. "'Now, now,' Dubly said, lifting her chin. He is looking at you, kid. And with that, he turned and walked away, his silhouette fading through the fog as it approached the waiting starfighter. Tornak stepped up to Briley and put his arm around her. They had much to do, and they would do it together. They watched the rebel vessels lift off and drift slowly out of the hangar. Then they watched as the thrusters lit up and the two ships disappeared beyond the mists of Deol. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!